Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Bible. Get out of here, Scott. This is my <laughs> time to shine. <laughs> Mine. Hello. Get out of here, Wendell. This is my barbecue. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. Hi. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. <laughs> All right. We're going to be going into Nehemiah 9 today. Maybe. 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 Scott messed up. Oh, take, take three. Cause Scott... Take three. Doesn't know My how to work a computer. mute is off. Okay, so the mute is off. My... You're what is that You're recording at the right time. My recording arrow is at zero, and recording at the right time. So, shoot, I didn't even hit record. No, you didn't. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> I was going to quit Guys with Bibles and go to bed. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> this is my last episode. Uh, All right. So we're welcome. back in Nehemiah. We're in chapter nine. Previously so we're in on... first opinions. <laughs> first opinion. <laughs> so, so now, at the this point in time in the in the course of the book, the feast of tabernacles is complete. Tabernacles, booths, shelters, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, you need uh, you need to really pronounce your th in that, you know. No, really because it'll boots. it'll pop in the microphone. So we've gone now from feasting and sharing food and having a joyful time, and now it's time for sackcloth and wallowing in the dirt and repentance, ups and downs, major ups and downs. So major so what's going on in here is now we're seeing the Israelites in confession, really, in repentance. They are mourning their sins. Um, the Word of God had a, a tremendous impact on the restoration of the community um, during this time when Ezra was preaching um, from the law. Um, it, it pointed people... Um, it, pointed, it pointed the people to their sin and led them to worship and gave them a great joy um, being in union with God once again. So that's what we have going on here in chapter 9. Booyah. Booyah. Now, now what's interesting about chapter 9, um, I've read that some of the commentators say that 
Nehemiah 9 actually followed Ezra 10 because these books used to be one book. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. Didn't know the order that they always went in, but so, so this one followed. So it would be like uh, it would be like on Lost, where the first eight chapters of Nehemiah are a flash sideways from the from the happenings of of Ez, of the Book of Ezra up to that point, right? And then Nehemiah chapter nine is when the two things then converge again. Yeah, I guess you'd have to watch the show Lost, even though oh, you were talking about. You never watched Lost? Not once. It's on. Not Penny's boat. It's. It's on Hulu. Who's? You're on Hulu. I am not. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. <laughs> it's a really you good show. So anyway, but yeah, okay. <clears throat> well, I tried. I tried to be culturally relevant. Yeah. And it was of no use. At least it wasn't a Dune yeah. reference. Oh, that's coming. <laughs> so just, just. You just wait. wait. He's got forty minutes. I, I've got yeah, we've got plenty of time to get to uh the spice and uh the maker and his water and oh, boy. um yeah. So anyway. Uh okay. I had an, an interesting note on verse two if we just want to dive in. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. So in that first verse we're seeing, you know, the classic penitent behavior where people put on the sackcloth and, you know, usually we have the phrase sackcloth and ashes, where people will cover themselves with ashes. But here, at least in NASB, it says dirt. It, I, that word uh, can be a couple things, but the actual Hebrew word is adama, which uh, is obviously connected to the name Adam being from the dirt. But the word that I want to look at is actually verse 2 where it says the descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. What's interesting is the Hebrew word that is translated confessed there is yada, which means to throw or to shoot or to cast. And we don't often think about it in that way when we talk about confession. What they were really doing was they were shooting their, their sins to God. You know, their confession right. was as if they were shooting an arrow to God. Right. Uh, it was kind of an interesting mental picture when I was thinking about that. You know, we, t- we tend to think of, uh, if we confess our sins, we're just dropping them. You know, in, in the usual uh, Protestant way, you know, you go up to the altar and you leave your sacrifice at the altar. You know, that kind of thing. You're dropping something. But what, But really, in the course of this language here is... You're actually you're not just dropping it; you're casting it away from you. Right. You're throwing it. You're throwing it away from you, shooting it like an arrow away. Not just dropping, but it's a much more uh, active, active way to think about what confession is. Yeah, it's it's also interesting. They cover themselves with uh, dirt or ash, and they put on sackcloth, and that's not just a sign of repentance that's that can be a sign of mourning like over the death of someone so it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. how the mourning over death and repentance over your sin which is spiritual death before god are linked i think that's kind of interesting because traditionally that is interesting yeah and uh and also uh you know if you take the name adam 
and if it, it in Hebrew Dom just D A M, you know what that means? I want you to tell us what it means. Blood. Ooh. So that's that's another little interesting fact. So yeah, I guess um, the sackcloth was made um, of dark, coarse cloth made from goat's hair. Uh, so and having dust on their heads. So it wasn't comfortable. Uh, these are, no, yeah. these, and this was basically to show a sign of mourning and grief. Um, and for about three hours, the people, again, they stood while the law was read. Um, and then another three hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord. Several several of the Levites, um, some who were mentioned in chapter 8, verse 7, um, they were involved in leading the people in the praise of the eternal you know, of the eternal God. Um, they, they basically were there to help what's the word i'm looking for well, especially because many of them were levites so they were facilitating this act of worship yes yes in, yes in confession they were kind of guiding guiding the uh, congregation through the confession exactly yeah. exactly which is you know i i know i i think we've sung the praises of literal word a lot on the show at least in my recollection we have but never enough but I was really enjoying, as I was studying this, going through and looking at the individual names of the Levites in verse 5, because it seems like they all kind of have something to say about the situation that, that, that brought them to this point with the, with the city completed and beginning to recommit themselves to the worship of Yahweh. Like, for instance, Hodiah, there in verse 5, "'My majesty is Jehovah, or Yahweh.'" Uh, Sherebiah, um, Yahweh has scorched, um, Hashabaniah, whom Yahweh regards. It's just kind of interesting that each of those names kind of begins to tell a little bit of the story. Yeah, that, that is cool. Of how they got there. It's It goes back to that thing where, you know, names aren't just a name, but they're a description of either of that person or what that what that person's going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So and that that would be that was an, a note I I wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't uh, if if we didn't have the literal word app. Now in verse five, uh, towards the end of verse five, it's. Uh, they say, stand up, blessed be the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. When I read that, it, I had like a Catholic flashback for a minute. Be oh, no. Because it sounded very liturgical, like uh, at the beginning of uh, the Mass, you or at the beginning of a lot of Christian traditions do this, not just Catholics, have a corporate confession of sin at the beginning of war, uh, of worship. So they, mm -hmm. and they always have a, a liturgical phrase that they say bef to get everybody to stand up. And that reminded me of that. It's a, right. It makes sense, like like a call to worship that we might use in, in our church. Right, and we yeah. also have a... You know, we have a prayer of repentance 
that we we pray every Sunday. So, so the the Levites are praying on behalf of the people, um, and we're seeing this in in verse five b all the way through verse thirty one in chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, this prayer goes on, and he, they pretty much dive into um, their forefather Abraham, um, the covenant that was made with him by God. Um, the God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt, um, the bread from heaven, which is the manna, um, water um, from the rock. He, they also talk about um, swearing an oath by God, mm-hmm. by his uplifted hands, um, which we, we see constantly throughout Scripture. And so they are going through list by list on the promises of God, what God has done for the Israelites, where they came from, what they had to go through. And And what they did wrong. Exactly. And it was all done by God, for God and his glory, that they were brought to this point. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting as we go through these, the verses, there's a progression of thought all the way through. Like you said, we begin at 5B in, in like in 6 and 7 and 8, uh, they, their prayer is drawing a picture of who God is and, um, and beginning with what he's done. Because you can't, if we're going to repent, you know, we need to know who we're repenting to. Yeah. And what, what he's commanded and what he's said that we violated that would require us to repent and come back and enter fellowship again. So they recount God's creative power um, in verse 6, You alone are the Lord, you made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanite, of the Hittite, and the Amorite, of the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite to give it to his descendants. And you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. So already at the beginning, they're praising God, number one, for creating the whole world and populating it with all sorts of creatures. Then, because you're the Lord God, you chose our father Abram, not only did you save him from a wicked land, but you gave him a new name, you found his heart faithful toward you, and you gave him better land that we would inherit. Right, and they and he promised the seed through Abram's bloodline. Right, yeah, it's not just land, but it's seed and blessing too. And God did fulfill the promise, you know, because we know if we read the account of just at Abraham alone, he did a lot of sinning along the way. He made a lot of uh, bad choices. Uh, he committed uh, many sins, but that did not deter God's promise from coming true. So not only right. did God give him and his descendants that land, but most importantly, he preserved the 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 line uh, through which he was going to give the world the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Correct. And no Amen. amount of sin along the way kept God from doing that, because he's God. 
No, that right. Nothing. Nothing's gonna hold his hand. Right. Right. Now, are we at verse nine now? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So how I did this was I in my Bible I I, I blocked off this prayer into different sections, and each section has a different purpose and uh for this section it's verses 9 10 and 11 basically is as you read this it's god's redemption revealed himself as israel's savior um, exactly yes wow yeah so uh it it I mean, in in the CSB, it says, You saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, all his officials, and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly they treated our ancestors. You made a name for yourself that endures to this day. You divided the sea before them, and they crossed through it on dry ground. You hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into raging water. So through his works, he revealed himself as their savior. And those works continue on even to this day and through and continues on through the different covenants throughout history up until the new covenant now. So, right. Exactly. Exactly right. Boom. And, you know, that uh, the whole Exodus and going into the Passover is so huge. Yeah, that's in the history that's, of, of God's people. That's like the I was gonna say that's the central event of Israel's salvation, basically. That that's mm-hmm. like the 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 epitome of it was the Exodus. Right. So so central that, that even that even a part of what they uh how they worshipped after coming out of the Red Sea, even that song, the song of the sea, is factored into the book of, of Psalms. Yeah. So it was supposed to be part of the everlasting songbook of the of God's covenant people. Yeah, and then as we get into verse 12, um, then it goes into, and with the pillar of cloud you led them by day, and with a pillar of fire by night to light the way for them in which they were to go. Then you came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. You gave them just ordinances and true laws, Good statutes and commandments. <gasps> so, you said I know, statutes. Right? Bam! So you Dude, made yes. known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments, statutes, and law. Through your servant Moses, you provided bread from heaven, whom they them they for them their hunger. Sorry, I jacked that up. And you brought forth water from a rock. For them for their thirst, and you told them to enter in in order to possess the land in which you swore to give them. So base right here he's talking about their whole time traveling with Moses throughout the desert, them complaining about how hungry they are, how they were they were better off in Egypt. Then then Moses strikes the rock and water pours forth. Um, I just read a blog quenches about that. their thirst, and then uh, and then all of a sudden now he brings them to a land that he swore to them so that they could possess it, and they fail. <laughs> 
So, I mean, it's just... You know, one another thing that's fascinating in those verses 12 through 15 you mentioned, every single action that's in there is an entirely supernatural action. A pillar of cloud leading you, a pillar of fire leading you, the presence of God coming down on the mountain, and a voice speaking from heaven, delivering ordinances and laws, delivering the Sabbath, laying down one-to-one between God and Moses, uh bringing that law uh, in a physical form, written by God's finger, bread from heaven, water from out of a rock, all these things are completely over-the-top supernatural ways that God sustained them physically and spiritually in the desert, and yet they rebelled even in the midst of all that. Yeah, how I have it, right. how I have it written in, in my Bible, my notes is 12 through, what is that, 15? God provided for their every need, and then... Right after it, verses 16 and 17 is all about Israel rebelling against the God that provided for their every need. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they bring it all together at the end of 17. And he said, you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and kindness. You're, you are a God of forgiveness. You're not, I mean, it's just wow, amazing how that they bring it all together. I mean, it just shaped up everything we just talked about. Um, 16, but they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love and kindness, and you did not forsake them. Boom. Like, wow. just dropped it on them. He, but they got you it. guys rebelled. And, and, but, but because of the faithful teaching and reading of the law that Ezra was already doing, it brings all that, all that to remembrance. You know, it echoes exactly what Paul's talking about, where... You know, when, when the laws applied, I died, you know. it when, when we compare ourselves with the holiness of God's law and we see just how far we've fallen short of obeying it, that's the only way that we can even begin to pray in any sort of way like they're praying here. You know, we've right. seen the, the holiness that God would expect His people to follow, and we have, haven't done even a shred of it, and we have to ask for mercy and show God is ultimately good, and we are uh, incredibly, deeply wicked. Yeah. Yeah. And then right after, and starting in verse 18 all the way to verse 21, it right after they, they finished up verse 17 with, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, what Scott just read. Um, and then it's another rebuke. Bam. Yeah, yeah. And then it <laughs> says, calf again. even after they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And they had committed terrible blasphemies. You did not abandon them in the wilderness. And, and verse 18 through 21 is all about God's mercy in the midst of Israel's filth and sin. And Right. And he was there to guide their way. He, non-stop. He, even which as is, they were hating him. Right. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day, nor did the pillar of fire by night to light for their way in which they were to go. I mean, so he stayed with them throughout this entire process, 
all the way up until this point. And well, he has see, not left them nor forsake, they forsaken kind of, them. They uh, um, understate that whole history in verse 21 where it says, Indeed, 40 years you provided for them in the wilderness, and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yet they complained the whole time and begged to go back to the land of slavery where they were <laughs> right. fondly remembering all these open pots of mead and uh, all this plenty. They were well taken care of and all that kind of stuff, when actually they were being very well taken care of in the wilderness by the hand of God himself. Yeah, it just it shows, goes it shows to show. how short-sighted we are when things aren't going perfectly the way we think they should exact, go. Yeah. Exactly, and I exactly. Think, I think it's, you want to go back to the oppression, to the darkness that you came sure. from. Yeah, At yeah. least we you know, know what we got there. Right, because we were so used to it. We grew, you know, we, we grew up in the darkness. We grew up in our sin. So, we, of course, we want to go back because it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't want to put all of our trust in something we can't see, feel, or touch. But right. when God is speaking to them, he, they're they're still in, in denial and rebelling. Um, and I think a lot of us today, we still fall into the same pattern of sin, which is why I think it's important that we're going through Nehemiah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely relevant to today. Don't get too comfortable because it will bite you. It'll come back to bite you. I was going to kind of say the same thing Scott just said. It's it's funny because a lot of people read through this little short, basically this is a little short history of Israel, this prayer in a way, and people are going to be like, what's wrong with these people, you know? You know, they see all this miraculous stuff happening, all these wonderful works of God, and and they constantly turn their back and... We do the exact same thing every single day. You know what's funny? When I was reading this, as I was actually doing real show prep, um, this reminded me so much of <laughs> who Stephen's, does show prep? S- <laughs> it reminded me so much of Stephen's final speech. Yeah, in yeah. Acts, which is a he literal. Basically, he's hitting. Yeah, he's hitting all the same points in that. Yeah, but the the very same people who are who are giving that history and confessing here. Their own descendants are going to be the ones to stone him to death in that pit. Yep. Right. Exactly. Going through the cycle all over again. Yep. Yeah. And what's what's really what's really cool about this? So, basically, the Levites are telling the people, "Come, repent, believe in your God, trust in Him." Basically, it was it kind of goes with the sermon we had this Sunday. Come to the cross and die. Die to yourself and then pick up your cross and follow Christ. And that's that's what God wants them to do. He's saying, follow me, trust in me, believe in me, for I am your right. God and you are my people. You know, I mean, it's just these and are you know, things that they're failing to see constantly. And I think that's one of the best uses for Christian history you know, this is this is their the the Israelites' equivalent of Christian history right here, where we're right. going through and we're tracing the hand of providence throughout our, our dealings and our ancestors' dealings. And I think the best use of Christian history is when we go through and look at God's providential hand in the course of history that has brought us to where we are now, and see where it was that our forefathers 
in in the in the faith before us went wrong or the countries that they lived in went wrong around them and how they stood firm in the gospel and right. uh, it's another thing to to drive you straight back to Christ not only in thanksgiving for preserving his people along that way but repentance for for what we're doing wrong and what sins we're committing right now then also praying for his protective and guiding hand as we go into the into the Christian future, just so to speak. Bum, bum, bum. So one one quick note. So we're we're about halfway through the chapter right here. Do we want to cut this off and do a part two? Because we're yeah, already I, at we could. We're at about a half hour. Yeah, I say we do a we part could. two. This is a this yeah. is a big chapter. It, it, I don't want to rush through any of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really I I enjoyed this prayer today. I was like, this is really good. But yeah. Um, yeah, this this is some classic stuff here. I just want to say that it's just interesting, especially, I, it kind of caught my eye, especially verses 18 through 21, but really the whole thing, and I, I kind of said this already before, but I, I feel it's important that they're confessing their sin, but they're also acknowledging and almost putting God's mercy and compassion before confessing their sin. Mm. It, it's uh mm-hmm. it, because without God's mercy, there's no point. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're also revealing His grace. Yes, like He's still here. He's still He's still with offering, us. Yeah, right. He's still offering those same promises He made you years and years ago with your forefathers, the patriarchs. He's still walking you to the promised land. He's still walking you towards the Messiah. He's still going to redeem you. He's still going to restore you. I mean, it's just showing grace upon grace. And I mean, and his magnificent mercy is just, you can just see it through the text. As and you, the know how he d- are- you know how he does it too? This is for our, for the Trinity deniers out there. In verse 20, we have the Ruach Tov, the good spirit to instruct the people. It says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth. So in, in the midst of, like you said, all the all the suffering, all the trial, God sent his good spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what is he doing? He's instructing them just the way the Holy Spirit instructs us even now. Right. And that's in verse 20. So take that, Trinity deniers. You could really make a stretch here, which this isn't what he's talking about, but uh, in that well, then why are you going to bring it up there? Well, TD Jakes. No, 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 no. Sit on me, Jesus. <laughs> I was getting ready to say. Sit on me, Jesus. I was going to say the man I mentioned in the same uh, verse was a foreshadowing of Christ, the Eucharist. The uh, well, not the Eucharist, <laughs> but, but I am the bread of life. So. Right. Sure. I am yeah, the he, living water. Yep. Right. Water the from same the rock. Way he did, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He didn't withhold manna from their mouths then, even though they didn't deserve it, and he didn't withhold Christ from us when we didn't deserve him. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. See. Boom. I like See? that. Why don't we end on that note? Good. Let's like do that. it. Sean, do you, Sean, do you want to ask me where they can find us? <laughs> yeah, Lee. Where, <laughs> where can they find us? <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> yes. So they can find us on, let's go social media first. We have the Facebook group. 
Um, so find Guys With Bibles on Facebook and uh, send a request to join, and we will bring you in. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Guys With Bibles. Uh, you can also head over to the website, guyswithbibles.com. There you can read our blog posts. We do two a week, by God's grace. You can also stream the audio of the podcast on there also, if you're not a podcast person. But we certainly hope that you will be a podcast person, because you can go to the podcatcher of your choice, search for Guys With Bibles. Uh, it's on iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, uh, most of the, the main podcast uh, players out there. I don't think it's on Spotify. I searched it last night. I don't see it on there, but we're, I'm working on that. Um, and then, of course, you can, uh, you can tweet us directly. I'm very active on Twitter. And uh, you can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. God bless you. And we are Guys with Bibles, and we are out. Is that better? <laughs> so then, what's that? What's that one with a f- Family Guy where uh, uh, Stewie's like, "Cool whip, cool whip, you know, cool whip." Yeah, you can't have pie without cool whip. Whip. Say cool, cool. Say whip, whip. Say cool whip, cool whip, cool whip, cool whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry for that little rabbit trail. So anyway. All right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs>